Hey, it's your old pal Slim, and you're listening to Faves, an upbeat talk show where the guest chooses a topic. And in this episode, that's a romantic comedy. This week, I talked to Tony Davis, a noted film expert who has probably seen more romantic comedies than I've seen Stone Cold Steve Austin matches. He chose Pretty Woman, a 1990 film starring Julia Roberts and Richard Gere. Robert stars as a sex worker with a heart of gold, and Gear plays a ruthless businessman. Can they possibly fall in love? Find out in this week's episode. Also, did you know Tony watches anime? Enjoy. I think what brought this, finally, this conversation to happen is the magic of Richard Gear. <laughs> well, well, here's the thing. I I agree with that statement a little bit, but honestly, what have you done for me lately? I think that is the question <laughs> for Richard Gere, right? Like you you he had a great career, he still does. I mean, he's doing like direct to video movies now, right? But when you focus on career, like obviously we want to talk about rom coms, we want to talk about pretty woman. Um but also, I mean, he really did some other things. He did um, An Officer and a Gentleman, right, which is a classic of course. Uh, chick yeah. flick, right? There's a huge difference between a uh, chick flick and a rom-com and just a romance or a romantic movie. Um, you know, the second the second result of uh, Richard Gere filmography on Google right now is Hachiko, A Dog's Tale. That's sad. <laughs> that's, that's very sad. Um, I'm assuming that's animation. Is that live action? <laughs> no, I don't. It looks like a Richard Gere st- on the poster. It's like a Richard Gere still from an action film, Oof. and he's holding what looks to be a teddy bear a or a dog. A I'm puppy. not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I can only assume it's like the president's puppy, and he's a secret service agent in charge of the animal. See, that's and that's kind of where his career is, right? He should be doing movies with Dennis Quaid. They're both, <laughs> you know, washed up alcoholic secret service agents. Um, I digress. I just looked at his filmography over the last yeah. uh, 13, 14 years. I don't recognize any of these. And he's done two to three <laughs> right. movies a, a year. year. Exactly. What is going on? It, he is going straight to video. That's the problem. He's doing movies with like Cuba Gooding Jr. No one's seeing those movies, right? <laughs> The only every time the NHL puts together some kind of celebrity package, where like, hey, look, celebrities like hockey too. Cuba Gooding Jr. is always like the top celebrity they point to. He will take any job. He won an <laughs> Oscar for Jerry Maguire. You know, it's one of my favorite movies, and his career went downhill ever since. Um, and similar to a lot of people, they win like big awards and. I guess they get a little snobbish, right? You're like, well, I'm going to be very picky about the roles I choose. And then the roles stop coming in. And then you have to take anything, right? Mm-hmm. You take anything. Like uh, Cuba Gooding Jr., you go from winning like uh, an Academy Award and then you're doing like Ice Dogs 3, right? <laughs> <laughs> like what? What happened? What happened? Um, you know, Daddy Daycare 4. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. 
it makes no sense. What was the big? Didn't he have like a big movie coming out after Jerry Maguire, where he played? Who did he? What what musician did he play? That was going to be his big thing, like Oscar. It's coming. That's, I can't remember who it was. Said that. Everyone says like this is the best script I've ever read. You know, I knew yeah. I had to take the role, and it tanks. It totally mm-hmm. tanks. And I don't know this for a fact, but I feel like. You should reevaluate your career if you're doing a movie with Cat Williams. Now, I don't know if that actually. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying, like that's probably like a, a mistake on, on so yeah, many levels. Get the agent to uh, yeah. shred that script. Fire before your agent. it over. Fire your agent. Richard Gere was hot when this movie came out. 1990, Pretty Woman. My God. Pretty Woman. Great movie, right? Flawless movie. Julia Roberts really like her career just skyrocketed after that, right? She could do no wrong. Unreal. Yeah. What I realized, I was watching the movie and then I watched a few other uh, rom coms to kind of make some comparisons and take some notes. The reason why it works so there are different like levels of rom coms, right? Uh, and what I realized, uh, a really good rom com, if you have to call it this, really, it's a, it's a, a really good rom com to me. It is a romantic movie that has some funny bits, but it's not trying to be funny. I think when you go over the top, you try to be funny. You know, there's like 20 minutes of like speed dating or something like that. That's mm-hmm. great, but that's not going to make a classic movie. So I think it is really, it's really heavy on romance and kind of sappiness, right? But it has to be funny enough that it won't turn into a movie that only women will go and see. Right. Mm. So I think a lot of times with guys, you're afraid of watching a movie like a pretty woman or something like that, because like, oh, this is a movie for women. But it's really not. It's just a movie about two people falling in love or something like that. And then you watch and you realize, oh, this is really a really, really good movie. Why do you think that uh, draws you in so much? Why do you think rom-coms are such a big part of your movie going life? I think for me and I can't speak for everyone. Right. But I, I think everyone has a piece of this. It is that feeling of being like this hopeless romantic, right? That you, the writers, the director, the actors, you create these scenarios that can happen in everyday life, right? You, you meet someone, you know, it's a meet cute, right? You, you happen to run into each other, you spill coffee on someone or, or something. Uh, and then you realize this is the one, right? And then obviously something happens to slightly derail it, but nothing too crazy, right? Because again, that's, that takes away, like if you if you sleep with someone's sibling or their parent, that's a tough one to come back from, right? So it has to what be. What rom com does that happen? Mean, in? The parent one. In the that's lower, like actually, that's probably one out of two yeah, rom coms. In the, in the lesser and like the the ones that are never going to be considered classics, those things happen. Like you wake up and you slept with the sister, and you're like, oh, we got so drunk, and you have to that that's not going to be a classic movie. Mm-hmm. A classic rom com is when you have like. Um, there's a memorable line that everyone will repeat forever, right? So, uh, perfect example, Julia Roberts, even though it's not a romantic line, but in Pretty Woman, um, one of the scenes in the beginning of the movie, once uh, her and Richard Gere, they have this agreement, right? He's basically like renting her out for uh, a week. And he gives her some money to go shopping. And she goes into this boutique and they won't give her any service because of the way she's dressed. You know, she's, she's sad. He takes care of it. There's this great scene, you know, they go in, she goes in the shopping spree. He gives her his credit card, his credit card. 
fantastic. Everyone's feeling good. That she goes back to the boutique where they snubbed her, right? And she goes, and this is a classic line. She goes, Hi. Hello, do you remember me? No, I'm sorry. I was in here yesterday. You wouldn't wait on me? Oh, you work on commission, right? Uh, yes. Big mistake. Big. Huge. I have to go shopping now. Big mistake. Huge, right? And everyone will repeat that. Everyone knows that line. And they'll repeat that line. So that is the other thing, too, with like a classic rom-com where you have like this line that maybe you haven't even seen the movie, but you know this line from the movie. And that happens. Mm -hmm. That goes across all genres as well. Right. Even people who may have not seen Star Wars Empire Strikes Back will know like the Luke, I am your father type of lines, you know. So things like that are what make certain movies kind of have that mass appeal really quickly because it's the holidays, right? <laughs> do you think I meant to ask you this in the beginning? Do you think that die hard should be considered a Christmas classic? <laughs> this is like my least favorite question. <laughs> I can't stand when people bring up that die hard. Is but a you Christmas have movie. to bring it because up it, because you know, every it's time something happens, movie. Every time it happens, someone's it's like it's in a, a social setting, right. and then someone is like, you know, they're grinning in that corner of the room. They're like, you know what? You know what's my favorite Christmas movie? <laughs> and they like look around to make sure everyone's paying attention. Die Hard, and, and they're expecting people to be like, "What? That's a Christmas movie?" And then they pounce in for the kill. This is their moment. I can't stand it. I don't want to hear ever again a Die Hard is a Christmas movie just because of those people. <laughs> I want to put those people in like a sleeper hold and drag them into the closet and then so they can't bother me anymore. Here's 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 my rebuttal to what you just said. <laughs> I would rather watch Die Hard and a Charlie Brown Christmas than any other Christmas movie as I do finger quotes. Right. Um first of all, I I mean so National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is a great movie. Fantastic film. When you go into like the older Jimmy Stewart type of uh, Miracle on 34th Street type of movies, I don't want to watch those. Like, been there, done that. <laughs> so I think that's why a lot of people kind of gravitate toward like a, uh, a Die Hard or something mm -hmm. else, something more modern. Plus, they're just those kind of people that just loves to bring it up in conversation, <laughs> you know, to really shock people, even though now it's now it's just so it's done not over. Exactly. No, it's not a shock anymore. Let's 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 talk about the, how this is the first time I've ever seen Pretty Woman. Again, I think the reason why you didn't see it is because you're like, I have no reason to see this movie. Right. And you're done like that. I said to myself, you're like, I'm a dude. I don't need to see this movie. I know what it's about. Like someone told you the synopsis. You're like, I don't need yeah. to see that. Julia Roberts, woman of the night, gets hooked up with business mogul Richard Gere. They fall in love accidentally. Can they survive? It's it it, it shocked me. Can I, if I could be frank with you, it shocked me how much I enjoyed it because it's a great movie. It's a it's a fantastic film. The, there was like t uh, several scenes over the course of the movie that I'll get to in a little bit. But Richard Gere, the movie starts out with. Uh, business mogul, power businessman who buys, who has one of these made up jobs that <laughs> just sounds like impossible. Like you I know, just, he buys. I own a company. I buy other companies, and I break and them then apart. break. I break them apart, right. sell them piece by piece, <laughs> make more money that. What are you breaking apart out of these businesses and selling them piece by? It doesn't make any sense. So he's like a multi millionaire. 
and he asks his girlfriend to come with him for a week for his business trip to be at his beck and call and she breaks up with him yes and uh so he eventually stumbles into julie roberts who's like essentially a broke uh sex worker she was just starting out she's just starting out yeah i mean she was pretty new on the job super new on the job she lives with her roommate who's also a sex worker and she's out of the town and she stumbles into richard gear who's who stole his his lawyer's car this lotus who was george costanza george costanza he borrowed it he got lost he borrowed it how slimy is george costanza in this film he is and he gets and he gets worse as the movie progresses like there's he progresses no, yeah, yeah he progresses from just kind of slimy lawyer into fel- felonious criminal who yeah. should be in prison for the rest of his life and i'm actually that, surprised he wasn't uh that he was able to get the seinfeld after that movie Oh my gosh! Yeah, I wouldn't want him in a in a funny sitcom weekly. Yeah, yeah. no way, especially after that last scene. He's he's lucky, I think. Oh I mean, and you God. know, it's it's just a movie, and he's acting. But I think as an actor, he was really lucky to yeah, get Seinfeld. Yeah, like in the in the casting of Jerry Seinfeld, Larry David. Like, oh yeah, who was that attempted rapist from Pretty Woman? Can right. we get him as my yeah. best friend? Right. I don't know if they were discussing that. <laughs> That's exactly how they. So, what have you done? Well, I I played a horrible. Did you see the movie Pretty Woman? Yeah, that was me. That was yes. That was <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, that was me. But yeah. I can act. You know, it's it's a cliched. She's like you know a, a fish out of water dealing with Richard Gere, this billion, this millionaire. Um, she has this kind of this likable innocence, even though mm-hmm. she's supposed to be this prostitute, right? But she's not. Um, it hasn't beaten her down yet, so she's still kind of naive, but also very street smart at the same time. And yeah, very, very street smart. And, you know, that like picks his interests a little bit. So essentially he, he get she gives him a ride. He doesn't end up like agreeing to, um, you know, stay the night with her, have her stay the night with him until he changes his mind. He goes to pick her up at the, tr- the bus station, brings her into her, his hotel at the, uh, Regent Beverly Wilshire. Yes. Reed, which Bev just sounds right. Oh my, it just sounds so uppity. Fancy, right? And, and it I love, it is super fancy. He gets there with her in tow and he talks to the person at the front desk and asks if they have any messages for him. And I just like, was so struck by how ancient that is, but also how baller that is where he, they leave the messages at the front desk for him and he has in his penthouse room. The reality is, think about it this way. What type of shit show would it be if every room had like an actual answering machine, right? It would be a nightmare. You'd have to, every time someone checked out, you'd have to like start that process all oh over my again. God. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so think of that. It, it makes perfect sense. Richard Gere in this movie, I just watched um, Sunset Boulevard, 1950. Mm-hmm. And Richard Gere seems, such, seems like such an old actor in this movie. Just the way he carries himself, it seems like it's the 50s. And he just seems like such a retro figure in this movie. Like he could be in a black and white film and not be out of place whatsoever in this movie. It's very strange. But I think that's why it works as well, right? The the idea, so there's obviously an age difference between these two characters, but he is this, you know, he's been rich since forever, right? He's been raised a certain way. He went off to boarding school. Um, he's very guarded. Um, so kind of meeting this kind of young uh, person, slightly younger. I don't, I don't know. I would say like there's mm-hmm. probably a 10 year age difference between the two characters. Um, 
but it allows him to kind of open up. There's this scene where they kind of, he takes his shoes off, right? And they're, they have this kind of picnic sort of where they're just kind of relaxing. He takes a day off from work, which he never does. Right. And he's basically letting his hair down, but you're right. Like his, his demeanor and the way he carries himself in the movie is to be this really reserved, you know, even the business negotiations that he's having, um, with the guy and his grandson, um, we, the company that he's buying, um, it's still, they are basically threatening each other and he's telling now he's like stalled the deal it's in, you know, he, he, he has these guys in the government and all these things, but he's saying it in this, the nicest way possible, even though it's like the meanest thing you could say in this right. business deal. Um, and it worked, that works because you have to see his character becoming a little bit softer throughout the course of the movie. Um, and that's him really in love and uh, who kind of changes his perspective yeah he spends the night with her and they're watching um i love lucy yes right in the hotel room and this is the first time that they get intimate this is the first night i felt so uncomfortable in that scene <laughs> because they're watching i love lucy she's like on the floor eating you right. know candy or whatever yucking it up watching i love lucy and then she essentially meanders over to him and unzips his pants i was just like so uncomfortable i was like oh my god this is so unromantic but they wanted to show like she realized that she was getting comfortable but she was there for a purpose right and you have to break that down so one of the the great scenes um you know he's telling her about drinking um the champagne and and eating strawberries um, because that's his refined palate and she's like okay sure um and she goes to the bathroom and she's doing something he like get out you know he's like get out of here he's like i don't i don't tolerate <laughs> drug use and you know <laughs> and you're thinking well she is a prostitute so i mean i guess she's doing drugs but the reality is she's flossing her teeth right and he's like oh, oh yeah, he's like adorable. no one ever surprises me right he's <laughs> and he's and that's the moment right there. He's like, oh, she's different, right? And like that would have been the. I thought that was funny. Like the his he draws the line at drug use. Right. That like a drug user in this hotel would tarnish his image as opposed to just a regular just a regular woman of the night would. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's these things, and I think so. The difference is also the reason why this movie works because it's not. And I sometimes I default to this when I'm thinking about these movies or overthinking. Right. This wouldn't work with. Um, younger people right you couldn't do this with teenagers right so it's a movie for adults but um i think it's also you could watch it if you i yeah i mean i don't know when someone becomes interested in this type of movie but i think it's safe enough that you could watch it when you're or have an interest in it when you're like 18 right it's not too mm -hmm. ris risque so to speak right. even though um you know obviously she is a call girl um and there are some scenes that are suggesting what they're getting into but those are really minor it's, it's i think they they kind of show you a little bit of what's behind the curtain but the bigger story is just the way their relationship grows the part where um they, they finalize the agreement where he gives her three thousand dollars to stay the week and she can do whatever she wants um and he like kind of warns her. He's like, but I, I'm going to let you go after that. Week. Right. And I think he leaves. And then she kind of says to herself, but I'm here now. Right. I thought that was such a touching moment where she's, there's almost this kind of like subtle yearning from her to like make whatever ha they have together work. 
Yeah, I mean, because you you have this opportunity, like for her, right? I mean, and they don't dive too deep into it, so you can make your own assumptions. But she has this opportunity that's, you know, compared to, I think she said she had like two or three like steady clients, so to speak, that she just started out um, that are clearly not at the level of this guy. So you will never get this opportunity again. You don't know what's going to happen. And I think at the end of the day, and it's not something you want to focus on, she's not, um, I guess, again, finger quotes, like not damaged goods, right? Mm -hmm. She's still just had, I guess, the normal amount of <laughs> interactions with people that it doesn't seem too crazy. Um, so that, that, that works. A couple of maybe that night or later that night, uh, she finds him playing the piano for the like hotel employees. And he's, you know, this of course, fantastic pianist. Of course, of course. And, uh, there's one scene I'll try and put the audio in here that just like made me rewind it a few times, but it's his delivery on certain words just always like weirded me out the way he just kind of enunciates or not enunciates. Mm -hmm. He tells the help. He asked them to leave. I was getting lonely upstairs all by myself. Gentlemen, would you mind leaving us, please? And he's like, would you mind leaving us, please? He's like, just the way he says, please, just weirded me out. I had to rewind it. Oh, my God. But that was also, I think, the scene. I think it was this scene where the, they kind of say the obvious, where he, he announces, like, you know, we both screw people for money. Mm-hmm. And that kind of like laid everything bare, but that was that was a, a good scene. I think they even had sex in that piano. They did, probably right they, there. Uh, My God, in the Wilshire. Started, yeah, we're in the <laughs> <laughs> Wilshire like lobby, not but like a lobby, but so it was like a conference room. That, that's okay, right? That's the. Where did all those employees go? How did how does he just all, assume that they were those employees are now? How does he just assume that those employees, by happenstance, won't come back in the next five to ten minutes, or are looking they, through a window somehow? They know. That's how you, they know how to travel in that world. Yeah, he's like, really "Oh, Richard Gere's playing the piano, guys, and you just told us to leave, so you know what's happening. We better get out of here. <laughs> Got to get, get out the of mops here. ready. <laughs> Wrap it up, guys. Wrap it up." <laughs> um, another scene. The reason why you love uh, Julia Roberts' character. Um, so he gives her the money and he tells her to go shopping because they have uh, they're going to go out. And, you know, she gets rejected. She comes back to the hotel um, and, you know, she's really upset. Um, and the hotel manager, you know, he had seen them the first time. He let her go and he sees her again. He's like, you know, what are you doing here? And, and she feels like really, really upset. And she's like, you, and you're about to treat me bad. And then he, you realize how nice he is, right? He's like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to help you. I'm going to call my friend. Uh, she's going to hook you up. Um, that actor was amazing. Yeah, he was great. Uh, so, you know, she goes over there. Cute little thing happens. You know, she gets fitted for the dress. She comes back. And their interplay is really great, too, because she's she goes, look, Barney, I got some clothes. He's like, I, I was hoping to see you wearing them. Mm. Um, you know, and that's really great. But she's, like, super, super happy that it worked out. Um, and that also kind of gives life to these characters and shows their heart, right? So everyone at first kind of is, they're all heartless, but you know, they, you come to like really adore all these characters except for George Costanza. Hector Elizondo. Not only did he help, uh, her several times in this film, but he also subtly helped Richard Gere towards the end of the movie where he's like, 
hey, Richard, maybe it's time for the big guns. Get a custom order from Half Double Design, where Amanda can make custom scarves, hats, wigs, blankets, you name it. Amanda's waiting to hear from your call, and you won't regret it. HalfDoubleDesign.com. Get a custom order now. Yes. Where he kind of like talked him into going to find going, her. Going after her. Exactly. Yeah, and that, yeah. you know, that's the kind of thing where you just can't, like you, you can't replace that, right? Like that's the kind of thing where you're like, you love and adore that because you kind of need that push in a, in a really good romantic comedy. You kind of need people make this mistake. So in another movie that I really love, uh, Notting Hill, um, same thing. So again, Julia Roberts, you know, she's on this role of movies, you know, she's done some mm-hmm. great movies in her career and Nani Hill came after pretty woman and she's playing this really famous. Have you ever seen that movie? No, not. I don't think I've ever seen it um, again because it's more romantic, but it has these comedic elements. So she's playing this like really famous American actress in the movie who falls in love with this normal person, uh, Hugh Grant. Uh, yeah, he's like a, a guy who owns a bookstore and she comes to the bookstore and they kind of fall in love through the course of the movie, these ups and downs. Um, she kind of breaks his heart. He falls in love with her, but she's like this really famous person in the movie um, and she breaks his heart. And then toward the end of the movie, she comes back. Like she comes into his store and she's asking for another chance. She's like, you know, I'm really sorry that, um, you know, it didn't work out, but, you know, please give me another chance. And, you know, he says, no, I don't think so because, you know, you would just break my heart again. What's great about that is that she has this great line where she says, um, you know, I know I'm this really famous person, but at the end of the day, I'm just a girl standing in front of this boy asking if he could love me. Right. Hmm. Great line, great delivery. It pulls on your heartstrings because you're like, oh man, because that, you know, you might really say that, right? You might be in love with someone and you might be in this type of situation. You might really say that. So he kind of rejects her and then he goes to his friends. He's like, guys, I, I made this decision, but I I'm second guessing myself. I think I made a bad decision or a wrong decision. And in a good movie, the people, the you know, supporting cast will say, yeah, you effed up. And there you go on this little, how do you fix it, right? So you need this push that you have to go and fix it with the person that you're in love mm-hmm. with. And, and I think that is kind of the basis of a really good romantic comedy where it's not perfect, but at the end, maybe you have to, you know, solve something, this overcome something to kind of win the heart of the person that you're in love with or vice versa. That happens too. Um it started at the polo match where right. he took her yeah. to this, you know, upscale polo match. And <laughs> he sees her kind of speaking with the son of the owner of this business that he's mm-hmm. trying to buy and sell for parts because that's a real business and he plan. Gets his feelings hurt. He does because he tells George Costanza, his slimy lawyer, tells him, like, who is this girl that you're with? I think she's a corporate... Right, you spy. Know, yeah. She's spying on this business deal. She's working for them. And he's like, you idiot. She's a hooker. Yeah. And George is just like, slimy George, just so tickled by this. And he gets skeevy with her from that point on. He's, like, touching her shoulder and says, like, you know, once this business deal's over, maybe I can call you. It's just so uncomfortable. And so she knows now that uh, Richard Gere kind of ratted her out. Right. And she's done at that point. And she 
uh, delivers the line. Um, I've never had anyone make me feel as cheap as you did today, which I thought was amazing. And he like pays her her thing, and but she leaves without taking the money. And that also is a big deal, right? Because he realizes that, that she didn't take the money. Um, and I think, you know, that could be like a minor detail, but I think it's a, a big plot point in the movie where it kind of shows, you know, that to her, it became more than that. I think he needed that little extra to realize that. And then again, like the, the extra push, you know, so, um, Barney, the hotel manager, you know, says, you know, Miss Vivian, you know, this is where she lives. Like, you know, he gives her the, he gives uh, Richard Gere the information that he needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you, the, you know, this is kind of scene at the end where it kind of wraps up, but you just feel so great about it, what it has kind of done to you. And, and you have to love that. I love that. The opera scene I thought was like the epitome of movie magic where he mm-hmm. takes her after their fight, he takes her to the opera and he sees her kind of like crying. Yes at the show oh my god that was just so perfect and there's the scene after that i think they go home it's when they're like making love after the opera scene and that's when she kisses him on the mouth because previously that was a rule that she had so at that point you're like it's conveyed to you that like okay this is the real deal here she's like you know officially making moves she's opened up totally and then that's when things kind of start to break down. Yeah. The reason that they separated was, I forgot, he has the change of heart. And he's like saving. He decides not to destroy this man's business. He's going to like go into business with them and make their business work. And he offers her an apartment where yes. he lives. He's like, you know, I'm going to take you out of this life. Just you can live in this apartment, do whatever you want uh, where near where I live. And she's so offended by that. That like this isn't the fairy tale I wanted. Like you can't just like whisk me out of here. Just put me up somewhere. Yeah. Um. And then that's and, that's essentially where they have they're forced to kind of like find each other again, thanks to our our dear friend Barnaby. Right. And that Bernard. That's I called him Barnaby. His name's Bernard. I don't know why I said yeah, Barnaby. Barney. She calls him Barney. Um. The significance of that is that, you know, she realizes that that's basically just the way he's always kind of managed these relationships. And she wanted more than that. She had realized, you know, she was worth more than that. Um, and she wanted more than that from him. And even though, you know, he also felt more for her, right? He felt more than what he was showing. Uh, that was just the way he was able to kind of convey that until he realized the error of his ways. And mm-hmm. I think you have to show that in a, in a rom-com. You have to show, like, someone realizes they made a mistake, um, and, and how do you fix that? I thought it was fantastic. Then him eventually seeking her out at the end. So you get that kind of romantic comedy ending, a beautiful scene. Yeah, I loved it. I was surprised how much I was going to love it. The thing is, again, it is it has funny moments in it, but it really is about how do you have these two characters? Um, what happens? What occurs that makes them fall in love? And then obviously you ended with this kind of fairy tale ending so that you're left just kind of making this assumption that everything just worked out perfectly because that's what you want to believe. You want to believe in, in these things. And, and I think that is the, the joy of watching a good romantic comedy. Um, and pretty woman, um, pretty woman is the type of movie that kind of really blew it open, right? There were movies 
before that and obviously movies after but this one just kind of skyrocketed to like this this international scale right mm-hmm. um and again you have these quotable lines you have these great characters and you've had other movies that have tried to kind of emulate that success and even uh the two of them uh they made a movie after you know they came back a few years later uh, runaway bride uh, which wasn't that good you know he even I think, looked kind of like old in that right he like aged, that right, movie. yeah <laughs> he looked like he'd aged 30 years yeah and the concept also is not that good right so she's she gets to the altar she plays this character who kind of gets to the point in these relationships where she's about to get married and she like kind of basically literally runs away uh, like that like that's never going to be a classic movie, right? It's that never dumb. Right. Exactly. And it's, it's not memorable. There are no lines in there that, you know, people are quoting. And, and those are the things that make the huge difference. I forgot that, uh, Richard Gere was in the Mothman prophecies. Oh my goodness. I, I remember loving that movie when that Why? first came out. <laughs> I don't know. What? It was just a weird, mysterious kind of supernatural movie. Well, this, that, oh yeah, because I know about this movie specifically because it came out in 2002. So that was when I was working the video store. Mm-hmm. So I remember when like unboxing those DVDs right. and VHSs around that time. Primal Fear. Do you ever see that movie? That was like a, a early Ed Norton movie. Yeah. I The cover is very burned into my brain, but I don't think I've ever watched it. Is that about a, like a, a woman that tries to kill him or something? No, no, no. Primal Fear, Ed, Ed Norton's character uh, commits this crime. Um... Richard Gere plays the lawyer who gets him, he kind of gets him off um, from going to jail. And then he realized that he actually did it. Um, the acting is great in it. Um, and Ed Norton is great. It's one of his earlier movies. Mm. Um, and who's another actor who, who's had a really weird career. Um, he had a lot of success. And now, like, I don't know what he does. I don't even know if he's still like, he always plays like sleazy dirtbags now. I don't know what <laughs> happened to his career. I think he's he was kind of tough to work with, or he always wanted to be the one that made the final call or the final decision. Mm-hmm. And I think famously that happened in when he was the Hulk. The Hulk, yeah. And they, I think Marvel just determined that he was just such a pain in the ass to work with that they were just going to recast him uh, for the future movies. And if I remember reading correctly, he fought really hard to not be recast and he like kind of apologized and said like i'll do whatever you guys want to do but they're like now nah, buzz off loser have you seen you've seen uh sandra bullock in the proposal right her and uh um, i don't not not in the last if i have seen it not in the last 15 years <laughs> <laughs> but so you have to see these movies because these are perfect examples where you can see the difference between like a serious romantic comedy and something that's more like lighthearted and goofy and Sandra Bullock, her movies have been a little uh, more on the lighthearted side, but they work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's two characters, hijinks. They realize they love each other. Cute end of story. Have you seen uh, Hugh Grant in Paddington? No, but you liked that movie, didn't you? Oh, my God. I love both of those movies. Yeah. The first I one saw was the first term- one. first one was good. The second one was next level good i openly wept like three different times during paddington too really now what, oh what, my god amazing no i mean that's just what category that's just family right you just call that's that a family, family movie? all yeah. ages yeah right. but it has like a, some of the stuff you touched on where you know main character gets into trouble and supporting cast 
needs to stick up and save, you know, main character mm-hmm. and like how they do it, how they help Paddington is tied into, you know, minor story threads for that character. And it's just written so perfectly and so well done. I hope they make a third one. Oh, how did it end? Paddington dies. <laughs> he gets stuffed. <laughs> he gets put on the family mantle. Yes. <laughs> what, what do you think the top movies you saw this year were for uh, twenty previous 2018? I mean, it's, it's just Marvel movies, really. I have, uh, I brought, I opened up my letterbox. You mm-hmm. need to get on letterbox. I feel like every yeah. time we do a podcast, you're yeah. like, yeah, I'll get into letterbox at some point. Never happens. Yeah, never happens. Uh, I need to do that. Have you seen, uh, you saw fallout? Yes. Mission my Impossible God. Six? Oh times. my Oof. God. What? So good. I couldn't believe how like reverential he was, uh, Macquarie to the previous movies, how he tied up like all the loose ends. They do such a good job. I mean, I think it works, number one, in the movie before that, um, where they introduce the villain. He's a great mm. villain, first of all. Oh, yeah. Um, Tom Cruise is always top-notch. I mean, it's it's you can't get over that. Mm. Um, I think Fallout, it just it works on every single level. The uh, I'm not even going to go there. If I had to have – if I had to, like, point out, like, one problem with the movie – they oh, probably God. need a new black guy. Let's be honest. I think <laughs> Luther is on his last leg. <laughs> it looked like he literally is on his yeah, last like, leg. I'm not even like, sure there's a scene where he's moving. He's, oh my God. I don't understand why <laughs> that character probably needs to die. Um, but besides that, I mean, and that's be I'm nitpicking, right? But besides that, uh, it's a great movie. There's so many good quotes, like where he meets up with, uh, where Tom meets up with Rebecca Ferguson. Yes. Who's and amazingly excellent. She, oh my God, I would watch a movie series just following her character. Yeah, totally. Um, where he says, uh, you should have stayed out of the game. And she retorts with, you should have come with me. Yes. Oh my God. And you love, you love the idea of the two of them together. Yes. Yes. But all the while I'm still yearning for Michelle Monaghan. Like, because I was never really clear on if, she was in hiding, mm-hmm. waiting for Tom to like find her, and they hang out for a couple weeks, and then he goes back to his job. Right. It was still kind of in the open because when he's kind of chasing, so to speak, Re- Rebecca Ferguson in the film, it's not like there's huge sexual tension, but you're not sure if he's like a single man, right, in these movies, or is Michelle still just out there? And there was a part I'm not even sure if I wrote it down, but. Um, the, the, what Michelle tells Tom, you know, when he's like with her at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. because he's like guilt ridden about how, um, how he thinks he's impacted out. her life. Yeah. yeah. And she has a line that I wish I wrote. I thought I wrote down. She says um, something like, you know, she's had a wonderful life. Oh, that- here, here it is. Everything that has happened has taught me who I am. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Perfection. Yeah. I mean, the, the only problem you feel bad for her because her new, uh, like husband, he doesn't compare at all to Tom Cruise (laughs) and he's like an idiot. Like you don't see, you can't see the connection here, dude. Uh, but you know, uh, I mean, their, their relationship was movie magic in that third movie. Well, the third movie changes the franchise. We've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. The third movie is so good. Um, I mean, it's. And it changes the course because 
the one and two mission possible one and two, they're kind of light. They were trying to still figure yeah. themselves out. And should we kind of stick to the way the TV show was, but kind of bring it up to, you know, current times. Um, but the third movie kind of just takes it to a different place. And it kind of Remember reminds she, me, she saves his life. Yeah. She brings him back to life. Oh my God. It's great. And it's, I mean, the movie starts off beginning to end. It's just nonstop, a mm-hmm. really perfect movie. I saw uh, Bumblebee this weekend. How was that? I thought it was good. Was it? it wasn't wasn't great. It was yeah. good though. I mean, compared to compared to the other Transformers movies, this well, was compared like to Citizen the last Kane. two or three, right? I mean, yeah. I don't know what's the last. Oh, here's a question: What's the last really good Mark Wahlberg movie that you've seen? <laughs> <laughs> That's the question right I there. I don't know. Uh, what's the uh, The Departed by Martin yeah, Scorsese? Like, he was yeah. amazing in that movie. He was really good. <laughs> that came out probably 15 years <laughs> a ago, a decade ago, right? Exactly. <laughs> I would love to see your Amazon Prime Video history, just to, <laughs> just to see what kind Sweet. of movies you're Hold watching on, like, on a regular basis. Let me, let me, let me just. Uh, so there's this new Keanu Reeves movie on uh, Amazon Prime Video called Siberia that I started uh-huh. watching. I couldn't get through it; it just seemed so bad. <laughs> so I got like maybe like 40 minutes in, I just turned it off. Uh, and I'm sure it's going to pick up. Like I'll come back to it. I'll probably finish it in like the next three weeks. Come back to it in five it was just years. Not good. Uh, the next movie is the Hidden Fortress, Akira Kurosawa, uh, mm. and then I have the Magnificent Seven, uh, the new one, or which the is old a good one? movie. But obviously, that's a remake of Seven Samurai. Yeah. Uh, the original, All the President's Men, Robert Redford, uh, Dustin Hoffman. Oh boy. Uh, the Getaway, Steve McQueen, Ali McGraw. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else do I have in here? Uh, oh, I had a uh, skyscraper. I watched that. I had rented that. I streamed it. That movie Junk. with the uh, yeah garbage. I got it was so bad, <laughs> so bad. But it was two ninety nine, and I was like, oh, just, <laughs> let me just find something to watch. It was so awful. Copland. Oh, I love Copland. Great movie. Oh, Night and Day. Tom Cruise, Cameron mm. Diaz. Did you ever yeah. see that? Yeah, I thought I think I good, remember thinking it was movie. fine. It was a weird one in that kind of time frame for him. But it works. It it totally works. Um you know, you can obviously with any movie you can pick it apart, but uh it totally works. Um what else do I have in here? Uh, Hotel Artemis. I just watched that recently. Jodie Foster. And they're like in this futuristic good. setting. She's she's the kind of the nurse at this hotel that takes in criminals and patches them up and it all mm-hmm. kind of goes wrong. It was okay. Uh, Weird Science. You ever see that movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> love that movie. Uh, Pretty Cleanser, Weird Science. Uh, love that movie. Pretty Woman. Uh, Slice, which I haven't watched yet. That's like this mm. new uh, kind of horror movie. I don't know what it's about, like vampires yeah, yeah. or zombies or something. Is, is it Splice or Slice? Slice. Yeah, I try to, you know, it's weird. My This is just uh, Amazon Prime. It's not my Netflix. But I try to keep it light. Then I've got like a whole bunch of like... Uh, anime that i watch and a few um amazon prime uh original shows uh bosch which is a really good show uh detective cop drama i watch a lot of like bbc detective shows as well so i'm, I'm kind of all over the place i didn't think i knew you watched anime what kind of anime are you getting into over there just kind of classic stuff um whether it's like uh, ninja sword stuff or like mm-hmm. it, I'm all over the place. I was mm-hmm. watching something on Netflix that just came out uh, 
uh, I think the name of it is uh, Baki, B-A-K-I, mm-hmm. which is like this kind of over-the-top, ultra-violent, uh, it's about like these kung fu, karate, super powerful fighters. But it's like really, really bloody and messy. And it's like one season worth. I watched the whole thing. It's like really, I think, you know, like 22 minute um, episodes. So you just kind of binge it. Um, but it just kind of ends without ending. I guess there's another season coming out. I didn't mm-hmm. uh, read anything about it. I just kind of turned it on one day and watched it. Did you ever watch uh, Samurai Jack? Yeah, great. Great. Did you show. watch the final season? Yes. Oh my God. So good. That's a perfect season. So good. Perfect way to end it. Uh, oh, you know, yeah. there's a huge gap when it actually ended the first time and, and they, you know, they come back and wrap it up. But I think it was perfect. Are you excited for um, Mark Hamill to return in the next Star Wars movie? No, no, not at all. <laughs> uh, you know, what's interesting, right? You, oh, perfect example. All of the Marvel shows are basically canceled on Netflix, mm-hmm. right? Because Disney's creating their own streaming service. Um, and I'm sure they'll just bring those things to their own service. Right. Um, you have to wonder what is Marvel? I'm saying Disney, but focusing on Marvel, what is the future for them? So you have uh, Captain Marvel coming out and you have the, the Avengers movie coming out next year. What else are they working on? Right? Like how else can they keep this going? Because that is what everyone is really going to the movies. You know, those are billion dollar movies, these Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are they planning? that's going to really keep people coming to the theaters after 2019. Well, they'll have the Mar- the um, Fox properties right. probably keyed up by 2020, 2020 yeah. yeah, 2022. So they could have Fantastic Four and X-Men at the ready. I mean, the idea of making an Avengers movie, but it has Wolverine in it would. Yeah, no, it's true because if you delay and then you build up the X-Men universe, maybe separate from the Avengers movies, but then build up to Avengers versus Mm X-Men. Are you kidding me? People would lose their minds. So to answer, to go back to your question though, the, like the final star Wars, uh, you know, episode (laughs) nine, basically not really. Like I don't, I know that was a huge segue, but I just don't, I'm not looking forward to it. I just was, I was just cracking up to the last conversation we had about Mark Hamill. <laughs> <laughs> just being not in shape for oh, anything at all for the last movie. I mean, when you, when you take away the, the joy and the beauty of the, the original three movies, right. And then you, you bring these characters back and they've all aged horribly. Right. Um, <laughs> Harrison Ford, you know, he was like 45 when they did Star Wars, right? <laughs> so, but he looks great. But then, you know, years later, you're like, oh, you can, oh, I see. You were actually 20 years older than everyone in the movie. Um, and, you know, Harrison Ford is 80, right? I don't know. He's 70 something. Um, and he looks great for his age. You know, this is the problem. You, you found success in Hollywood. You ruined it, right? And they bring you back. They kill these characters off. Um, I read that they may bring back uh, Lando. Huge mistake, right? (laughs) He looks like... I saw a video of him in a gym, and I wanted to call social services. He's like 91 years old. He looks so old. And you're like, what happened to these people? But 
Yeah, you're the thing. I think that's why it's the vanity of Hollywood, right? The idea of seeing yourself when you're in your prime and you look amazing and beautiful, but then you realize that you're actually aging and and people still think of you um, from your beauty years, but you look nothing like that. That's why people just become like a recluse, right? Where you're just like, mm-hmm. you never see them again because they don't want you to see how they've aged. Um, but I think someone like Billy D. Williams should probably not get in front of the camera anymore. Um, <laughs> when was the last time he was even ladies, in front of a camera? Ladies man. I think <laughs> God, he looks so old in that I movie. I know, I know. <laughs> That's our show for this week. Thank you, Tony, for sharing your love of Pretty Woman with me. Merch alert. We officially have, at Paper Keg Radio Syndicate, we officially have Faves stickers. I put an order in at my sticker guy. His name is literally Sticker Guy. They came in. Uh, If you have done an iTunes review, Apple Podcast review, you are entitled to a sticker. So DM Faves or Slim on Twitter. And uh, let me know your address. I'll ship out a fave sticker. If you haven't done an iTunes review, you're going to get a sticker just for putting an iTunes review out there in the world. You know, it's the easiest sticker you've ever earned. If you want to see what the sticker looks like, check out favespod.com. I put a sticker picture up there. Also, favespod.com is a thing that exists. I'm not sure if I've ever talked about that on the show. So check that out. It's on Tumblr. Remember Tumblr? Next topic. Many years ago, my friend and I, it wasn't many years ago, it was a few years ago, we did a podcast retrospective on the filmography of the greatest actor of all time, Tom Cruise. It uh, ended up going on hiatus, but we have news. It's coming back monthly-ish. We are going to sit down once a month, the three friends, forever friends, former hosts of Paper Keg, will sit down and talk about a film by Tom Cruise. We're going in order and uh, you can search for that podcast in iTunes. It's called Interview with the Podcast Vampire. I'll have a link in the show notes. You can subscribe and uh, just enjoy the love of Tom Cruise that we all share together as human beings on this planet. Stay tuned next week. Big episode next week. Oh my word. And one final time, if you're listening right now, your support, your sharing of the show is huge uh, for the success of growing new friends of the show. If you're listening to Tony's episode, you love Pretty Woman, you know of a friend who loves Pretty Woman and might love Tony, uh, text him the show. Retweet the show. Send out a tweet about the show. Put it in IG stories, whatever. Uh, It helps the show tremendously. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.